We left off on page 13, and I believe we were at the bottom of the page. Let me get there in my notes. Yes, page 13, and we were looking at um, the fact that the believer is born with a need for salvation. And so uh, this stems off of looking at a lot of these effects of the fall and uh, the things that came about as a result of Adam and us being born into him. And so you look at the current state of the believer, and we talked about last week a lot of these uh, birth defects, as it were, uh, and now we're getting into uh, some of the needs that we have for salvation. And so as you think about that, uh, we talked about the fact that this need for salvation is evident uh, in the requirement for a new birth. And we went to John and looked at uh, there with Nicodemus and how Nicodemus was totally thinking on earthly things, right? And the Lord is reflecting on spiritual things and trying to get him uh, to understand that need for the new birth to enter into the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God relating uh, strictly to salvation over all uh, spans of time. And so uh, that new birth is, is very necessary. Then we looked at uh, election and how that plays a factor into, uh, again, this need for salvation and, and how that's carried out. Uh, but this week we will look at the evidence that's from spirit baptism. And so uh, as you think of being baptized by the Holy Spirit, not the same as being baptized by water and, and physical baptism. Uh, some people do make that error. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit tonight over in Romans chapter 6. And so you can go ahead and turn there in uh, verse 3. Uh, but we will bow in a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day and grateful, uh, as always, for the opportunity that we have uh, to be here. Uh, grateful for um, uh, the rain that you bought uh, that uh, has helped out a lot of people in their uh, vegetation. We're grateful for uh, the safety that you've provided in us all being able to be here tonight and even those that are online the way that you brought them uh, to where they are in their point in the day. Uh, we pray that uh, as we work our way uh, through this study and continue to uh, understand and appreciate uh, who we are uh, as mankind and understand where we came from uh, and understand also where we're going that we would again as always have a better appreciation for those things that have been provided to us. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and so as you think about spirit baptism, the spirit baptism of the believer into Christ provides salvation uh, from servitude to the sin nature. And so as you think about uh, this need for salvation prior to us being saved, we were servants to sin, and we had no uh, option but to serve our uh, sinful nature. Uh, and fortunately, through the work of Christ, we've been freed from that. Uh, but go back to verse one of chapter six. And, and Paul talks about here in the previous chapter, this juxtaposition between Adam and between uh, Jesus and the work that Adam did and us being uh, counted with that work and the work Christ did and us being counted uh, into that work. Uh, but for the uh, believer, this spirit baptism takes place and allows us the opportunity uh, to be baptized into Christ. And so in verse one, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never come to be. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ, uh, Jesus, or Jesus Christ, uh, were baptized into his death. And so here's quickly one thing you see regarding spirit baptism. The Holy Spirit takes us out of who we are naturally and places us into Christ. And so we have a position in Christ. But you see here a little bit deeper. He goes into it to relate how we are so intimately tied together with the death of Christ. And so pick it up in verse four. It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father. Even so, we should walk in a newness of life. And so what do we have here? We have this potential to walk in a new kind of life that we wouldn't have had before. And this aligns with what the Lord was talking about over in in John chapter three, where he was saying it is necessary for you to be born again. Right. And he's talking spiritual plane here. This baptism is again on a spiritual plane that has nothing to do with what's physically going on in this life. And that's where a lot of people error, where they think, hey, you've got to be baptized physically in order to be saved. And so they tie these two things together. Uh, and that is not at all what it is. Verse five, he says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so what did Christ do? He died on behalf of our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And so we are intimately tied together with that. Verse six, knowing this, that the old man, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we henceforth or that henceforth we should not serve sin. This servitude here is as a slave, right? You don't have an option when you don't have anything else to live in, right? You can grit your teeth all you want to as an unsaved person, but it's going to be very hard for you to overcome that sin nature, right? You're just looking for opportunities to not present themselves. And you wonder, well, how can some of these people do some of the wild and crazy things that they do? Well, they've got that old sin nature at work and it's it's hard to overcome uh, when you don't have a way to. Uh, In verse seven, it says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe uh, that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no uh, more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died uh, unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And so likewise, uh, reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, uh, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here you have the three elements, and I'd like to point it out when we come through here of overcoming your sin nature. You have to know, reckon, and yield. Uh, we didn't go to yield there. Did, did we go that far? I can't remember. Uh, no, we need to go down to 13. Um, but you see, yield your body is, or your body is, uh, uh, your members as instruments unto righteousness instead of sin. And so, no, the fact that you're identified together through spirit baptism with the death of Christ. And so we can walk in a newness of life as a result of that. Reckon yourself then dead, of course, to your sin nature and yield your members as uh, unto Christ. Um, And so you see this here. Spirit baptism has given us an opportunity uh, that is not evident and not there for unbelievers. And so we have this very apparent need for salvation. 
Uh, you see it over in uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27 as well. And we like to go here to uh, kind of explain the new identification of the believer. Now, the pastor often jokes about uh, when he's filling out these different forms and, and he asked him his uh, ethnic identity, he says it's not on here, right? <laughs> they don't have uh, us in Christ listed here. Well, I was going through this very exercise today as I'm taking the, the uh, uh, this survey for our job and asking if it's a great place to work. Uh, well, <laughs> identifying what what ethnic background we were, and it was to me quite unnecessary. Uh, but you see this kind of thing. But we we are identified no longer as who we are in the flesh. We're identified as who who we are in Christ. There's a a larger plane of life that's always going on concurrent with this physical life, right? You've got eternal life that's always going up here, and we are living and walking in this physical life. And as we're wrapped up in what we are in the flesh, we get just like Nicodemus was there, right? Where he's just totally locked in to what, what he sees, what he can smell, what he can taste, what he can touch, and not realizing that there's another quality of life that's going on there that he doesn't currently have access to. And that's where unbelievers are. Uh, and so we'll see it, see it here in this context as well. But pick it up in verse 25 of chapter 3 of Galatians. It says, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for you are all children, not really our children, but sons of God by faith in Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Here you see another element that comes of that spirit baptism and us having a position in Christ, right? As we're able to reckon our minds uh, and count our minds to what God sees. And you look to his his right hand. Who does he see? He sees us. And so when you're doing that, your outward manifestation of life is going to look a lot more like Christ. And so uh, we see this here. It's not what would Jesus do, right? But it's you living through who you are in Christ and letting him uh, manifest his life through you, that quality of life. Uh, verse 28, it says, there is uh, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you be uh, Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so all of this doesn't relate to somebody that's not saved, right? You have all of this identity and your identity is totally tied to everything that you are on the earth, right? This is why people's names mean so much to them, right? This is how, why uh, people's kids and their, their uh, progeny to come after them mean so much to them. Because everything that they have is tied to this life. You and I have an identification that extends outside of this life and into eternity. Now, this is also uh, very clear, uh, the need for salvation in the new creation. And so we saw uh, over in Galatians that you could walk in a newness of life or a new kind of life. Uh, but we see here the need for a new man. And so the association of the believer with Adam through God's reckoning creates the need for a new man. Our old man is born after who? Adam. And so we need to be able to live in this new man. Go back with me over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. 
And of course, we've been here before, but it's been a few weeks, so we'll brush up on it again. Uh, we go back just a little bit into the context, pick it up in verse eight. And it says there, but God commends his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on behalf of us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Uh, for if we are when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ in, or by whom we have now received the atonement. And really that word for atone, atonement is better translated reconciliation. Uh, verse 12, it says, wherefore, uh, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And again, that is at a point in time it's, it's being counted to us uh, from Adam for and verse 13. For until the law or for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as of, of the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more by the grace of God, or much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, uh, which is by one man, Jesus, has the bounded unto many. And so you see um, here in the, not seeing the, Verse where the new man is pointed out here. Um, I think I was just tying um, our birth into Adam there uh, in that context. But we do see the new man mentioned over here in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. So if you go with me over there, uh, we see being placed into Christ affords the believer the opportunity to live a new quality of life. And so Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 and pick it up at verse 14 he says there for the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we uh, then we're all dead and that he died for all, that they which live shall, uh, or should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known him, or have known uh, Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, we know him no more. Now, the pastor uh, came through here many moons ago. This is five chapters, so we're probably looking at a couple years. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> I had to take a shot there. Uh, but when we were here, he did a good job of pointing out the fact that uh, Paul, having that peripheral view and understanding who exactly who Christ was after the flesh, right? He would have seen him and known exactly who he was. 
And so, hey, we don't know him in that way anymore. We know him in his glorified state. And who would know that more than him, having been on that road to Damascus and seen the glory shine down from heaven? Uh, Not the same Jesus anymore. Verse 17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, I've told you guys before, important to kind of highlight, highlight and underline whatever you want to do here. A lot of these references that you see where this positional truth is pointed out and you see it right here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so you being a new creation in Christ have the ability, like it said over there in Romans, to walk in a newness of life or a new kind of life. In verse 18, it says, and all things are out from God who hath reconciled uh, us to himself through Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. And so it's not, uh, as it's stated there, just for yourself, right, that we've been reconciled. It's for you to uh, go ahead and be a walking uh, testimony to the fact that you've been reconciled. And so we see this here. We also see the operation of the new man in contrast with the old in several places in Scripture. And so go with me over to Ephesians chapter two and verse 15. And we see the operation of the new man counters that of physical birth. Now, I will uh, warn you guys and uh, just because I'm up here, I know you guys don't need to be warned, but I guess everyone could have a warning uh, here and there. Uh, Just because we're saved doesn't mean we forget who we were prior to salvation, right? And doesn't mean that we forget that even in the midst of our salvation, we're subject to the very sin nature that unsaved people are subject to. It's just that we have uh, something that allows us to contend with it where they don't. Uh, But pick it up in verse 10. He says, therefore, we are his workmanship created where? In Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath uh, before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, uh, remember that you being uh, in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you are you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made uh, of both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the fle- in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And so as you see, uh, we talked about Paul and what he uh, talks about over there in Romans and his affection and affinity uh, for Israel. But his realization that when they believe in this current dispensation, what happens? They cease to be part of that uh, nation of Israel anymore. And so their natural national identity of whom... Uh, I can tell you there's not a lot of people that boast of their their nationality more than these these Israelites. Right. They're very proud of who they are. And yet they lose that identity when they are inducted into Christ. And so they are just like we are. 
made from two people into one new man and able to operate out from that. So making peace. And in verse 16, it says in that uh, he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off uh, and to them that were nigh. Uh, And so you see it here. We also see it over in uh, Ephesians chapter four and verse 24, where the operation of the new man allows a different activity of the believer than when we were living after the flesh. And so, again, you see that contrast there of who we were prior uh, to salvation and who we are now. In Ephesians chapter four, I need to get on the right page, verse 24 and put it on or go back to uh, verse 20. Uh, There's a lot of good stuff here. Maybe I should go back a little further. Uh, Let's go back to verse 17. He says there, uh, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Now, (laughs) I, I often chuckle at these people that say, boy, if you're a believer, you don't sin, right? Or you don't, there is no carnality for, for believers. Well, First of all, let's not uh, mention the fact that carnality is in Scripture. But you see all of these verses like this where he tells you not to walk as the Gentiles walk. So what does that mean? It means there's a potential that you as a believer could walk as an unsaved person walks. Uh, Verse 18, having the the, the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. And so he's giving you a picture here of what's going on inside of the unsaved man. Right. And what does his mind look like? It's darkened. Right. His his reasoning is darkened and it's clouded, uh, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in him because of the blindness. And really here, that's our word. We talked about this one uh, before porosis for hardness, the hardness of their heart. And so uh, this callousness. Right. Uh, and so, Brother Scott, you had that surgery on your <laughs> on your head. We, we hope that that uh, scar heals up nice. But when it does, there's going to be a little hardness there on your head. Right. It's not going to be as soft as it used to be. So we can truly call you. <laughs> we can truly call you a hard head. Right? <laughs> Why that didn't come out like I imagined it. <laughs> But you see where these scars are, and this is where this word originates from. It's a hardening, right, and a callousness that occurs. Well, let's just say Brother Scott worked a lot of years delivering packages, and his hands are nice and hard. Uh, My mom used to tell me when I was younger, she would shake my hand, and she'd say, Boy, your hands feel like you haven't worked a day in your life. (laughs) So there's one for me, too, Brother Scott. (laughs) But this hardness that you see here uh, is apparent. And so in verse 19, he says, who being past feeling, there's that uh, elaboration on that callousness, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Uh, But you. So here's the contrast. Right. We as believers have not learned Christ in this manner. Uh, And so we have ability to live in a different way. Uh, He said, you have not. So, or in this manner, learn Christ. If so, be that you have heard him and have uh, been taught by him as the truth is where 
in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And so what do we talk about with these birth defects, right? The things that we uh, unfortunately inherit from our father, Adam. It's this terrible sin nature that has these lusts that are coming and uh, want you to do and act in the old man. Uh, Well, guess what? You can put those off. But when you put off something, you have to put on something. And so he says, and be renewed by the spirit belonging to your mind. And so where have we been regenerated? It's in the realm of our uh, human spirit. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, Wherefore, and so what does it look like when you put on the new man? Uh, Wherefore, putting away, lying, uh, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, uh, for we are members one of another. Uh, Be angry and sin not, let not the sun uh, go down on your wrath. And he goes on on and on from there. But uh, you see this new man is in direct contrast with the old man, right? And so unfortunately for unsaved people, they have no ability but to walk in that old man. Right. There's there might be a conscience that's telling them, hey, if you do this certain thing that your sin nature is telling you to do, uh, it's wrong. Don't do it. And maybe they have a strong enough will not, not to do it in some instances, but they don't have the ability to overcome their sin nature in the way that you and I do. Uh, and then over in Colossians three and verse 10, we see the new man was created after the image of the son. Colossians chapter three and verse 10. And I'm going to go back here because uh, there's positional truth that's pointed out along the way. And then contrast of what it looks like in our uh, old nature when you, you choose to live that way. But pick it up at verse one. And he says there, since then, uh, since you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now, remember what we read back in Romans chapter six, right? He, he said through spirit baptism, we have been afforded this uh, intimate tying together with the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. So when he speaks of it here and he says, since it's a fact, you that believe have been risen with Christ. What do you are? What are you to do? Seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And so we talked about that higher plane of life, right? We can't look into heaven as Stephen did when he was being stoned uh, in chapter seven and and look and see ourselves physically seated at the right hand of God, right? But we do know that it's a fact. And so this eternal life that's going on, God is looking right now at his right hand and he's seeing you and I seated there in Christ. And so it's a reality in his mind. Uh, And so we can live in that reality. And so as a result of that, in verse two, he says, set your affection or your reflective thinking on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Now, here's a I don't know if the pastor is going to come across this one, but we got some future glory that's waiting on us, right? And so we see this uh, coming up. Brother Don would be proud. Glory. (laughs) Uh, Verse 5, it says, Mortify, therefore, your members 
which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which, for, uh, which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Now, we're going to talk about uh, this wrath of God coming up here shortly and the fact that you and I have been saved out from this wrath that is coming. That's a, a big benefit of our salvation. We don't have to sit here as uh, uh, some might and, and say, boy, it's going to be a terrible time in the tribulation period. It's coming. Uh, man, I, I sure hope that I'm not a part of that. No, we, we have promises here in Scripture that we have been saved out from the wrath of God. Uh, and this cometh upon the children of disobedience. And uh, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them or among them. And so uh, this is who we used to be prior to salvation, right? We didn't have a choice but to walk in the same way that unsaved people are walking. But now uh, we've been delivered out from this. Verse 8, he says, But now you, uh, are, you also put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out from your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing you have put off the old man, with his deeds. And so these are deeds of the old man. These are deeds of our sinful nature uh, manifesting themselves in, a, in, in the person of well, whatever individual are doing them. In verse 10, it says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, uh, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, uh, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, uh, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, and so he goes on to tell you what other acts to put on and what it looks like when you put on the new man. Uh, and it's a, a nice looking picture, right? <laughs> when you're walking in this newness of life, you're going to love the way that you're supposed to. You're going to treat other believers the way that you're supposed to. Uh, meekness, humbleness, uh, all the parts of the fruit of the spirit will abound. Uh, and we see this here. Now, the next uh, part we want to look at is the fact that we are born uh, into the wrath of God. And so I alluded that a second ago. Um, no one is safe from this, right? If you're born from Adam, which everyone is, you are born into wrath. And we have to be saved out from wrath. We just saw this in this uh, context in Colossians. Uh, but there are other scriptures that speak to it as well. And we see that this is something that was anticipated during Christ's earthly ministry. And so uh, over in Matthew chapter three and verse seven, we see that this was spoken of by John the Baptist in his provision for salvation. Uh, and he's talking to the Jews there and he doesn't have such kind words for them. Uh, you would almost think that he didn't want them to get saved <laughs> the way that he's talking there. <laughs> but I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, that's me reading into it. And I don't want to, uh, you guys watch this show Chosen that we've been watching it at work uh, as one of our devotions. And boy, they take a lot of liberties to uh, fill in the blanks of what happened. Uh, I don't want to be like the, the creators of that show and fill in the blanks of scripture. Uh, but pick it up in verse one. It says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of through the uh, prophet 
Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. And the same John uh, had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle uh, about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then uh, went out uh, to him uh, Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the regions round about the Jordan uh, and were baptized of him in in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when uh, he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers. Now, this is uh, I'm reading the book, How How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> I don't think this is the way. Right? He says, generation of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meet for repentance and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father uh, for I say unto you that God is able to of these stones uh, to raise up born ones unto Abraham. But that idea of the wrath to come, who warned you to come out here and hear this message and be baptized and flee from the wrath to come? Uh, he's saying, obviously, not him. Now, over in John chapter three and verse 36, we see the son speaks of wrath abiding on those that do not have eternal life. And so more pointing uh, to the future event for when uh, eternal life is going to be provided. Uh, but you see this wrath to come here as well and pick it up. Pick it up in verse 20, 28. Well, verse 27. He says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be uh, given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bridegroom is the bride, or excuse me, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, uh, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. Verse 32. And what uh, he hath seen and heard that he testified, and no man receiveth this testimony. He that receiveth this testimony hath set the, his seal that God is true. For whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hands, or into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath uh, everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And so here that word for abide we've talked about before, minnow, right? It, it's uh, relaxed and in a, a comfortable situation. Well, here you don't want that wrath being comfortable up on your head, right? <laughs> and that's where uh, unsa unsafe people unfortunately are. You see the acts and things that they do in this life and you say, boy, this is just terrible. 
But I'm often reminded when they do that that unfortunately these people don't have what we have by grace, right? And these people have unfortunately the wrath of God abiding on them. And so we, we see that there. Now back in Ephesians chapter 2, and we didn't go back that far when we were in Ephesians chapter 2 before, in verse 3, and I warned you guys, be careful, right? Don't uh, start thinking of yourselves too high and mighty. I know no one's in danger of that in this room except maybe me. <laughs> but uh, when we think of ourselves or see ourselves in the way that we're supposed to, we'll see that, hey, we are sinners saved by grace. And it's an ugly picture that was painted of who we were prior to salvation. Now, fortunately for us, we've been delivered out from who we were before. But pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 2. And he says there, And you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this uh, world, or really are there a word for age, um, according to the prince of the power or authority of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children or sons of disobedience, uh, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the born ones of wrath even as others. And so this doesn't paint a good picture of who we were prior to salvation, right? You had these mature sons that are up above getting messages directly from Satan or being put in places of influence by Satan. And they're influencing the activity of all of those that are in this world that are connected to this world system, right? And then uh, God came along and did what he did. And so it says in verse four, but God who is rich, in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And so I think there's no more humbling passage in scripture uh, for any believer that wants to get high and mighty about who he is and what he brings to the table. This will humble you in a heartbeat, right? <laughs> you were nothing <laughs> and God picked you up uh, and made you into something. Uh, and so that's the grace of God. Now, over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26, we see the wrath is coming uh, for these children, the aforementioned children of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Oh, that's not the right verse. Uh, yeah, man, I got the lazy eye again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, but I think there's another, uh, see if I can find it quickly. Uh, 26, nope. Ah, well, uh, let's go to Colossians chapter three and verse six. I can't believe I did that. And uh, we were here before, so let's not read the whole context, but put, pick it up in verse 5. He says, Mortify, therefore, uh, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, 
and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which such or for which things sake the wrath of God is coming upon the children of disobedience or or the uh, mature sons here of disobedience. Uh, now, if you look at that uh, idea there, it says the wrath of God cometh. Uh, it's in the present tense. And so <laughs> it's always coming, right? It's always there. It's ever present. Just like uh, uh, John talked about in chapter three and that wrath of God abiding, right? It's, it's always there for those that are unsaved. Uh, and so you don't know the time <laughs> or place of which Christ is going to return. And when he does, guess what? <laughs> it, it's going to be an interesting time for those that are remaining. Uh, and so you see this here. Now, uh, over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16, we see the wrath is stated to be coming against the Gentiles, uh, from uh, which also the uh, Thessalonians were saved. And so uh, emphasizing here that, that these Thessalonian saints were saved out from Gentiles, even though by their nature and their physical appearance, they are Gentiles themselves. Uh, we saw over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 15 that that um, uh, wall has been broken down and two have been made into one. And so believers are no longer identified with their flesh. Uh, but pick it up in verse 12 of chapter 2. And it says there, uh, well, go back just a little bit to make more sense. Verse 11, it says, And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, uh, that you would walk worthy of uh, of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. For this cause also uh, think we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it as uh, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Verse 14, for you, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they please not God and are contrary to all men forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins all way. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. And here you see uh, these that are uh, standing in the way of salvation for these uh, uh, that would be saved. Um, the wrath of God has come upon them to the uttermost. That uh, word for uttermost, I didn't look up, but I believe it has the idea there of, of to a complete end, right? And so it's uh, being filled up and is, is about to be released uh, upon these kind of people. Now, also, we see the wrath used prevalently over in uh, Revelation, of course. And so the re revelation of wrath is a future event uh, that we look for. And so over in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 16, we see it uh, first occur. Not just wrath, this term for the wrath of God. Five, six. Okay. So the five was right. I just added a two. Okay. So Revelation chapter six and verse 16. It was good work there, mother. 
Um, <clears throat> go back just a little bit. You see the unveiling of these these sealed uh, judgments here and pick it up in verse nine. It says, and when uh, he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they crieth with a loud voice, saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, Dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? And the white and white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as uh, they were should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars in heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casts, casts uh, her untimely uh, figs when she is shaken of, of a mighty wind. Uh, verse 14, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island moved out of their place. And the kings of the uh, the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men of every bondman uh, and every free man hid themselves in dens and in rocks of mountains and said to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne for the wrath of the lamb uh, or, or from and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and he shall, or who shall be able to stand? And so uh, we can go on there and look at more elements of this wrath, but it's not a pretty picture, right? You've got all of these things going on, and these guys that were once very proud men and willing to stand up and say, ah, there is no God. <laughs> yeah, this God that you talk about. Well, now there's <laughs> rocks and mountains fall on us because we, we want to get out of here. We don't want to deal with this wrath uh, that has come. Now, over in uh, Revelation chapter 11 and verse uh, 18, again, we see uh, more similar things. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 18. Pick it up in verse 15. <clears throat> And it says there, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign into the ages of the ages. And the 24 elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord uh, God Almighty, which art and was and art to come. Because thou hast taken uh, to thee thy great power and hast reigned and the nations were angry and thy wrath is come and the time of the of the dead that they should be judged and they um, and that thou shouldest uh, give reward unto thy servants, the prophets and the saints and them that fear the, thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them uh, which destroy the earth. 
uh, and so we could go on again. You see more and more there, but uh, you get the idea of this wrath that is revealed uh, during the tribulation period. Now, uh, you can also see uh, more description of that over in Re- Revelation chapter 14 and verse 10, uh, but we will keep moving. Now, <clears throat> we also see that we have been uh, delivered through the Son, and so this is also a part of uh, what is given to the believer um, uh, as a package to our salvation, right? We've been delivered out from the wrath to come. Now we saw this over in Romans chapter five and verse nine, so we won't go there. Uh, but remember there, we saw that the blood of Christ imparts righteousness to the believer uh, and allowance for salvation uh, from the coming wrath. But over in first Thessalonians chapter one and verse 10, we see the future promise to the believers belies the present reality that we have been delivered from the wrath to come. Uh, Go with me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. I had to double check myself (laughs) here. Um, Pick it up in verse five. <clears throat> now, it's amazing. and We did papers on this in seminary. A lot of the things that are said uh, by Paul of these Thessalonian saints, and you really just see a, a strong contrast to how he talked to the Corinthian saints. Right, <laughs> Going through Second uh, uh, Corinthians and Bible study and have gone through First Corinthians and you see it's just a whole different tone, right? He's, he's dealing with people that are in two different places spiritually. Uh, but just pay attention to that as you're reading through in this, this uh, book. But in verse 5 it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you are examples to them that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For you, for from you this uh, sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show you show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from what the wrath uh, and so or the wrath to come. And so you see that uh, phrase there again of, of the wrath to come. And the understanding that, hey, these Thessalonian saints, prior to Paul coming there, they were children of wrath, right? They were on their way to that same uh, wrath that is coming. Uh, But God intervened. And of course, we know uh, they were elect or or chosen for such. Now, we'll come back next week and look at this idea of um, the fact that it was uh, salvation was provided uh, or we were provided the option of salvation Uh, through faith and that it's not anything uh, that we did Uh, and we will after that start looking at the future of mankind and understanding a little bit of that.